Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including one of the legendary college football coaches in the modern era. He won the national championship with the Oklahoma Sooners back in 2000. He actually hired and later recommended as his successor our old friend from ECU, Lincoln Riley, who's already done amazing things with those Sooners as the head coach. Bob Stoops will be live here on the David Glenn Show in about 60 minutes. We, of course, will talk college football and NFL beyond that. David Newton will be our Panthers slash NHL NFL guest. The Panthers get week two started tomorrow night, the first game of the second weekend of NFL action in the regular season. It is the Panthers hosting the Buccaneers. Y'all know the deal. If you start 0-1 and you get to play host to the worst team in your division, you got to win. You got to win. You've got to win. Too early for the must-win phrase officially, but not too early to say you don't want to be Ron Rivera at 0-2 after missing the playoffs last year under the new owner, David Tepper. You just don't. Cam needs to be better, but so do others. Ratings are up in the NFL again. I will give you more on those details as the numbers are in from week one of the regular season. I have a Panthers slash NFL question of the day that allows for your statewide participation. We have yet another special guest honoring yet another legendary coach. Bob Stoops will drop by to talk about Bob Stoops, among other things, Lincoln Riley, etc. Steve Spurrier and Coach Stoops remain good friends. A lot of Duke fans still fond of the Spurrier era in Durham that has been rarely reached since he returned to his alma mater, Florida. Bob Stoops on all that stuff. How about Chuck Amato, former NC State head coach, and prior to that, a fantastic Wolfpack player in between his playing days as linebacker on the white shoes defense at NC State from way back in the day. In between playing for the pack and leading the pack as the head coach, Chuck Amato was a legendary assistant coach to one of the greatest legends of all time in college football coaching, Bobby Bowden. There is a Bowden Dynasty special that debuts tonight. If you want to talk about must-see TV beyond games being played, and that is where most of us start, of course, there is both a 30-for-30 Dennis Rodman debuting today, Rodman for better or for worse, and there is a Bobby Bowden documentary. It's called Bowden Dynasty. Of course, it's all about Florida State football. Well, Chuck Amato was one of the key assistants who helped Bobby Bowden build one of the greatest dynasties in the history of college football. They were top five in the polls 14 years in a row under Bobby Bowden in Tallahassee. Chuck Amato was a central figure in that success. Coach Amato will join us in hour number three to talk Bobby Bowden and other things. The, the modern-day Wolfpack as well, of course. He a proud NC State alum. David Newton on the NFL. Bob Stoops live to start our second hour. That allows for your participation, including on some questions of the day. We'll get to the Bobby Bowden stuff. We'll get to the Dennis Rodman stuff. We'll get to Antonio Brown, brand new Patriots wide receiver. Hadn't even played a game for Bill Belichick yet. Hasn't caught a pass from Tom Brady yet. He is in the wrong sorts of headlines again. And as wacky 
as you wore the wrong shoes to your cryotherapy treatments in France and burned the skin off of your feet as a result. As wacky as that was and the rest of the Raiders chapter, as brief it, as it was, turned out to be, this is far more serious stuff. The Patriots wide receiver has been accused of multiple accounts of sexual assault, including one count of a violent forcible rape. More on that crazy story and its repercussions throughout today's program. It is a crazy start for the New England chapter of the Antonio Brown era. Keep in mind that Roger Goodell, NFL commissioner, can suspend, has put on the sidelines, NFL players who not only don't have criminal convictions, but don't even have criminal charges. There's no criminal charges against Antonio Brown in this case. And some people automatically jump to, well, how can you suspend him? Well, ask Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys if you can get a suspension without actually being charged with the crime. The NFL does its own separate investigation. It doesn't have to find anybody guilty, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt the way a jury would be asked to convict you or not. It is kind of Roger Goodell as the ultimate judge and jury and executioner, if you will. I mean, he has under the collective bargaining agreement, a massive amount of power and autonomy often challenged in the courts by various NFL players and even franchises. Time after time, we are reminded Goodell, within only a handful of small restrictions, can do what he wants to do to players who are accused of this or certainly found guilty of that. Adrian Peterson, Ben Roethlisberger, Ezekiel Elliott, examples to one degree or another of such discipline at the hands of the NFL commissioner. Try to help you understand and separate fact from fiction on where the Antonio Brown story sits as we head into week two of the NFL action. Today was supposed to be his first practice with the Patriots. This weekend was supposed to be his first game with the Patriots. Now he could end up on some kind of exempt list like, they don't have to wait. They could put him on that exempt list right now while they're investigating, if they want to, after a former trainer that goes back to their days together at Central Michigan University, both athletes at that school. Brittany Taylor is the former trainer who is alleging those three sexual assaults in a lawsuit filed yesterday. Quick reminder, this is not a criminal justice proceeding. This is a lawsuit from his former trainer. Of course, there is a he said, she said aspect to this story. I'll tell you more about that during the course of today's show. Allowing for your participation as we get to the Team USA crushing loss in China at the World Cup of Basketball. I've been trying to warn you for weeks. This is not our country's A team. It might not even really be described as our country's B team. Our C team is not better than others' A teams. That's just the reality. And earlier today, spoiler alert, after 58 consecutive victories for our Team USA's when using NBA players, after 48 straight, specifically in the context of the two biggest international basketball competitions, the Olympics every four years, the World Cup used to be called World Championship every four years as well, there was 48 straight wins in that context for Team USA. So they make it through the first group and the second group stage, and now it's the knockout stage. And they went head-to-head -head with France earlier today. If you didn't know, France has a starting lineup that includes four current NBA players and one former NBA player. So it's not like they're just throwing a bunch of dudes out there. 
Rudy Gobert is coming off an amazing season with the Utah Jazz. You know Nick Batum of the Hornets. Evan Fournier plays for the Magic. And Frank, what is it, Nitalinka of the New York Knicks is another guard for France. So they have some other pros, of course, surrounding that nucleus of NBA guys, some of them high-end NBA guys. And sure enough, they not only beat Team USA, they beat them by 10. Our, our country has not lost a major international basketball game in 13 years until this morning. It's a big deal to some. It's a shrug your shoulders, I know, to others who consider the Olympics the be-all, end-all of basketball, just as the World Cup fits that description for those who follow soccer for the most part. We'll get into that disappointing news of the morning. Major League Baseball is coming down the stretch with wild card jostling and even a season-ending injury to a superstar on a playoff contender. Of course, college football and the NFL are front and center as we look forward to Bob Stoops, David Newton, and Chuck Amato on those gridiron-related matters of the day. Here are the questions for you that allow for your participation. Panthers fans, besides a victory tomorrow night over Bruce Arians, Jameis Winston, and the visiting Buccaneers, what do you need to see from the Panthers to believe they're a playoff team? They'd only be 1-1 one and one even if they win. They still have to deal twice with that Drew Brees guy in New Orleans. Who knows what the Falcons are after losing to the Vikings in Week 1? We're pretty confident in saying the Buccaneers will be the least of their NFC South neighbors. Got to play them twice. Split last year, remember. With Cam, you beat them. And without Cam late in the season, you lost to the Buccaneers. The Panthers are the better team. The broader question, besides a win, we all see that. What do you need to see from the Panthers tomorrow night to believe they're a playoff team? And then the college football question of the day allows us to both glance forward at the weekend to come and ask a more philosophical question. I've been asked, why are UNC and Wake Forest playing each other Friday night, but it's a non-conference game? Like, they have been conference affiliates since the 50s, right? They're both original members of the Atlantic Coast Conference. So wait a minute, they're playing each other. They're both still members of the ACC almost 70 years later, but it's not going to count in the conference standings. It counts in the general standings, but not as a conference game, the type that matters when you start measuring who goes to Charlotte for the ACC title game. Well, the bottom line answer is it was not one of the games handed out by the ACC headquarters in Greensboro. They give you your conference schedule. The Deacons and the Heels are in opposite divisions, so they're not always on the conference schedule. Doesn't mean you can't get together and say, hey, we, we each have four non-conference vacancies. Maybe we have one left. Maybe we can be yours and you can be ours. That's how they got together for a non-conference game. My question with you in mind as a fan, has conference realignment made you enjoy college sports more or less? I'm telling you right now, if you ask the conferences and the schools, was this trade-off? Oh, these rivalries don't meet any, every year anymore? Yes, their answer is yes. What we lost in terms of rivalry and what we lost in terms of familiarity was more than made up for by TV money. It's not even close. If you ask the conferences and the schools, they'll say yes, expansion and realignment were worth it even though we had to sacrifice Duke doesn't play state in football every year anymore Wake doesn't play Carolina in football every year anymore basketball rivalries are disrupted you only play some teams twice every year they protected Duke and Carolina in basketball they protected the state Carolina rivalry in football they do play each other year each other every year but 
Obviously, there's a downside to expansion and realignment, just as there's an upside. From the conference and university perspective, the TV money was worth the downside. But how about for you as a fan? Has conference realignment and expansion made you enjoy college sports more or less? I never see fans rolling their eyes or shrugging their shoulders at these matchups that used to be among their favorite games to see. Ask a typical Wake fan if they're excited when Wake comes to town, or state, or when Carolina comes to town, rather, more than some no-name non-conference opponent. Of course. And it works that way most of the time for our in-state rivalries, ACC and otherwise. Has conference expansion and realignment made you enjoy college sports more or less? Again, for money reasons, the schools and conferences typically say yes. 1-800-849-2761. More on the Team USA debacle. More on the Antonio Brown crisis with the Patriots. More on the NFL ratings being up. And more on a special day in the modern history of our country, 9-11, September 11th. I always wish you a happy day to start every show. I'm excited. I'm full of energy. I'm honored and blessed to be able to talk and write about sports for a living and get paid for it. And at this stage of my career, finally getting fairly well paid for it. There's a lot to be thankful for. That's why I'm always positive and energetic, etc. There were a couple of days in my 20-plus year radio career as we welcome your football answers to our questions of the day, NFL and college. And certainly if you have any 9-11 memories that have any connection to sports, we will take them today. It is the 18th anniversary of one of the worst days in American history. And I don't know, our interns are certainly not old enough to remember September 11th, 2001. But when I think of weird days where I did not have, as I say hello to my producer, Darren Vaught, we have intern Will with us representing William Peace University, 1-800-849-2761. There are, you've seen me for four years running, Darren. Is there a day that I looked sad or jilted or off my chair or unexcited about what we do for a living? I mean, some days are more fun than others, but I don't remember uh, a droopy dog look on my face as we came to do our business, right? No, not in the context, and and I think I get the type of day that you mean. I've heard you talk about you doing your show the day that Skip Prosser, legendary Wake Forest basketball coach, died. Uh, I know you sort of put that in the same category. Oh, those are the two worst. Yeah. 9-11, 18 years ago today, and the day, for those who don't know, Skip Prosser was not just a retired old guy who died. Skip Prosser was in the prime of his life and in the prime of his career and at the perfect university for him and vice versa at Wake Forest. And, you know, the guy would join us and talk Shakespeare and Chaucer and, you know, Confucius and philosophy and his favorite books and plays and and of course we would get to basketball and other things but if you all enjoy life sports football and the Blue Devils with David Cutcliffe holy cow we had some unforgettable just life chats with the inimitable Skip Prosser so yeah you have to go on the air that day and because I knew coach and some of those close to him I mean you're kind of breaking news like who wants to break the news that a man in the prime of his life and career has died of a heart attack after jogging and comes back to his office in the middle of the offseason and just dies there on the floor. I mean, who wants to break that story? That was a brutally sad day, mostly, of course, for the loved ones of Skip Prosser. I was not in his inner circle, but I had a wonderful personal and professional relationship with him. I'm sad to this day that he's gone, right? The other 
the one of the only other days in 20 plus years seriously where i was like man i mean we get frustrated by weird stuff something's wrong with the phones there's a technicality a guest cancels at the last minute you know this or that person in our chain of command is not doing his or her job very well that stuff could be frustrating to anybody in any walk of life right these are different days and yeah. when, when you have to talk about sports after al-qaeda guys fly airplanes into buildings that's a weird day to be asked to talk about sports and i remember not just that day but in the aftermath yeah we blended in sports and we're going to do that today but i have a sports related reflection on the 18th anniversary of that horrible horrible day september 11th 2001 we welcome your questions and comments i have a question from mac in high point who said should team usa's loss at the world cup make people appreciate coach k's job with usa basketball even more he kept cranking out gold medals left and right at both major competitions greg popovich remember the spurs head coach is the new guy in charge and he will have this failure on his resume in china at the world cup not only a loss to france today but they lost in the quarterfinals they can't even get you know a bronze medal the way they did 13 years ago the most recent time that a similar usa team lost a game in one of these international competitions bob stoops live in hour number two david newton live from charlotte and the panthers camp on all things nfl more on the antonio brown evolving story chuck amato will help us celebrate bobby bowden's life and times and the debut later today of the bowden dynasty on the ACC Network. Chuck, of course, one of the most important right-hand men in the glory days of Florida State football to Coach Bobby Bowden himself. 1-800-849-2761. We have a lot to get to. We welcome you to be a part of it. Besides a victory, what do you need to see from the Panthers tomorrow night to believe they're a playoff team after starting 0-1? And has conference realignment and expansion, have they made you enjoy college sports more or less Wake and Carolina wouldn't have to schedule a non-conference game under the old eight or nine team ACC, right? This is a byproduct of expansion. At least they are getting together. We're glad they are. 2-0 versus 2-0. Mac Brown against Dave Clawson. Both believe they can be as good as anybody in the ACC, not named the Clemson Tigers at least. More on those stories with more of your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. Dabo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to see How you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, <laughs> 80, <laughs> 80 <laughs> the original Death Valley. You know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. What I miss is I miss the fellowship with the boys, yeah. you know, and you miss the fellowship with the coaches. It ain't like I'm dying to get back out there. You know, people ask me, do you miss it? I said, no, I don't miss the field part. You know, I was getting too old for that anyway. I miss the, the camaraderie with the, with the boys and the, and the coaches. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was the legendary Florida State coach, Bobby Bowden. He joined us dozens of times over the years. There is a Bowden dynasty 
documentary that's showing tonight for the first time on the ACC Network. Chuck Amato is among those interviewed for the documentary. Former Wolfpack player, former NC State head coach. In between, he helped build one of the greatest dynasties in college football history. Bobby Bowden as the head coach. Mickey Andrews as the famous defensive coordinator. Mark Richt, actually, among others, the offensive coordinator. And Coach Amato was a great recruiter, another defensive assistant coach. Chuck Amato will join us live in our third hour. We will sprinkle in Bobby Bowden quotes from his dozens of visits on the David Glenn Show here in North Carolina throughout today's program. We'll also get to the NFL, college football, Team USA basketball, and other headlines of the day. I'll leave Antonio Brown on the back burner. I'll get to my thoughts on the 18th anniversary of one of the worst days in modern American history. Of course, it's September 11th, 2019. September 11th, 2001 was maybe the saddest day of my entire sports media career for obvious reasons. There is a sports-related memory that I would like to share from 18 years ago today. I did throw out a couple of questions of the day. So as I ponder my 9-11 thoughts and welcome your questions and comments if they're sports-related along similar lines, for Panthers fans, what do you need to see from the Panthers tomorrow night to believe they're a playoff team besides a victory itself over the Buccaneers? And college football fans, since Wake and Carolina are playing a non-conference game, even as members of the same league, why are they doing it? Well, they're not on each other's schedule every year anymore the way it was for decades and decades and decades. Has conference realignment and expansion made you enjoy college sports more or less as a fan? The schools and the conferences feel like they had to do it because it helped with TV money and it helped with even creating your own channel. Would ESPN have wanted a channel if the ACC was still an eight or nine team league and they could only get in that many houses that had a passion for ACC sports? Or now that the ACC is a 14 slash 15 team league, of course ESPN was excited about launching the ACC network in partnership with the ACC. Why? Because ACC schools are in states that include far more TV households and human beings than even the other Power Five conferences. So there's some, there are some just pure demographics in there that are an advantage to the ACC. You had to sacrifice something, though, right? And rivalries were one of the things that you sacrificed. Let me go to Ian in Greensboro. Has conference realignment and expansion, have they made you enjoy college sports more or less, even as you probably understand that they did it mostly for the money reasons, which inarguably have worked out very well. Go ahead, Ian. Hey, David. I uh, just want to say I'm a huge fan of the show. Thank you. I've uh, been listening to it since I moved up here, and I've been telling all my friends about it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. But uh, I wanted to comment on your conference realignment. It hasn't really affected me because I'm an ACC fan, and a lot of those teams stayed where they're at. But it is kind of frustrating to – to see teams switch around and then try to explain to somebody who's not a fan of sports why they moved and, and why even have conferences called the SEC when a team that is uh, not even in. Yeah, it's getting a little anyway. weird. It's getting a little weird geographically and numerically, right? Like the Big 12 doesn't have 12 teams. The Big 10 doesn't have 10 teams, and yet that's still the name of those leagues. That's weird. Uh, sometimes a school is geographically challenged related to the name of the, the conference. I mean, how close is College Station, Texas, to the real Southeast, Texas A&M? joining the SEC as one example. Uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference is still mostly the Atlantic Coast. I'll give them credit for that. I mean, Notre Dame out there in South Bend, Indiana, 
as a member in all sports except football. Not exactly. I don't believe you can ride a bike to the uh, Atlantic coast from South Bend, not without changing your tires a few times. So everybody else is, you know, Kentucky's not an Atlantic coast state, so Louisville wouldn't technically uh, qualify either. Uh, I do What I hear the most about fans who say that they see more of the downside than the upside is that they don't see the TV money. They understand why their schools had to do these realignment expansion things, but it doesn't directly impact them. It indirectly impacts them in various ways. But one thing they don't like is if they used to see a certain school that they considered a rival twice a year, every year in men's basketball, and once a year, every year in football, well, some of those were protected. Some of those were not. And we don't get Duke against NC State every year. We don't get Wake against Carolina every year. Now it could be multiple years in between those meetings unless you go out of your way to schedule a non-conference game the way the Deeks and the Tar Heels did for this Friday night. 1-800-849-2761. I'm glad he called. Not only did he have kind words, it allowed me to gather myself. 18 years ago today was the hardest sports radio that I've ever attempted to do in my entire life. And I'm sure it was hard for many of you, even harder than for me, given people died, right? 3,000 people died. And many more have died in the years after that. I'm sure most of you are familiar with first responders and firefighters and law enforcement, the bravery that those folks showed after the airplanes hit the the twin towers of the World Trade Center. So you had the 3,000 roughly die there that day or in the immediate aftermath. And then you have many, many more who have died after inhaling all sorts of crazy, toxic stuff near ground zero when you were the one running toward the tragedy as virtually everybody else was running away from the tragedy. There is a sports-related theme that I will never forget that I didn't know as I was shocked like all Americans were looking at my TV screen 18 years ago today. Honestly, as crazy as this might sound to you younger folks, I thought the plane hitting the, tw- the tower was just an accident. That was my first reaction. Now, with the benefit of hindsight and history, that sounds insane, right? How clueless, how naive could DG be? We did know about al-Qaeda. We do, did know how and why they hated us so much. We did know they were a terrorist organization that threatened us in all sorts of ways. But we had not been attacked that way on American soil. And seriously, I thought there was some kind of crazy whatever, pilot error, weather error, miscommunication from uh, the air traffic control. I just That was my in-the-moment reaction. Well, we know that it was even more horrific than that. And 18 years later, a memory sticks with me that has a connection to sports and a connection specifically to one of the ACC schools that we follow all these years later. I'll share that story from the saddest day for me in sports radio and, of course, one of the worst days in modern American history for most of us who remember it. 1-800-849-2761. Jim in Wilmington has a 9-11-related story that is worth sharing as well. Ryan in Wilmington wants in on the NFL question of the day. Besides a victory, what do you need to see from the Panthers tomorrow night to believe that they're a playoff team? They're facing the Buccaneers, and they're at home. You got to win. You got to get to one and one. Anything is possible if you do. Besides a win, what do you need to see from the Panthers tomorrow night against the Bucks to believe that Carolina is a playoff team once more? My 9-11 memories, sad, but with some chicken soup for the sports soul included, next on the David Glenn Show. 
throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk-to-porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. to the David Glenn Show, the legendary college football coach, Bob Stoops, Oklahoma Sooners. He helped handpick that Lincoln Riley guy, hired him as his coordinator, and then recommended him as his successor as the head coach of the Sooners. Bob Stoops joins us live in about 25 minutes. Chuck Amato served that Bobby Bowden guy at Florida State. The Bowden Dynasty documentary debuts tonight. Coach Amato was among the interviewees, as you'd expect, given his role as one of those right-hand men. Coach Amato, live third hour. David Newton will drop by to talk all things NFL, Antonio Brown, Carolina Panthers, Bucks at Carolina, and otherwise, you can jump in on our questions of the day, which there's one for the NFL, one for college football. I'll get back to those in a second, but there's also one reflecting the 18th anniversary of one of the worst days in modern American history, 9-11. That was September 11th, 2001. This is September 11th, 2019. And it was the weirdest, saddest, craziest, uh, most awkward time and really the only day that fit that description in my 30-plus years in the sports media. And here's one thing that I remember most that is both sad in all the ways that you might predict or perhaps if you're old enough remember – but I think inspirational. Darren, you know me well enough as we welcome your calls. Jim and Gary have 9-11 questions or reflections. Ryan wants in on the NFL, others college football, and the realignment expansion question. You know me that I'm a big guy when it comes to the body of work. If your body of work is far more good than bad, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt when you screw up, right? I've always believed that when you have time and space to consider good versus bad, what am I going to do in this situation? You have a chance to educate yourself, right? You have the ability to reflect and to contemplate before you have to make the decision, before you act, those decisions and actions reflect on you in ways that I don't know if anything else could define you better. You've had time to contemplate, space to consider, good versus bad. It's not always crystal clear. But if you're making the right decisions after that time and space and contemplation and reflection, the overwhelming majority of the time, you're probably a really good guy. And when you screw up, I think you deserve the benefit of the doubt. If you have that same time and space and ability to reflect and to contemplate, and you're often choosing bad over good for whatever reason, you're a pretty bad person. Nobody likes that label. But if you've got time and place and you keep doing it repeatedly, I mean, you could play with words. Oh, it's just a good person who's misunderstood or is it a tough place? Okay, I want you to get help. But you're still, your actions are reflecting a bad person in the moment. Maybe you're deep down inside good. Well, show me more of that, and I'll change my bad person label. I don't think we use it as no enough, actually, against the real evildoers who look at a situation, educate themselves, and still pick evil over good, still pick alienation over togetherness, still pick attacking people for who they are rather than bringing people together because we're all mostly the same in terms of our DNA. I've also believed that if you're in the heat of the moment, if you're under the absolute maximum pressure, you might not make the best decisions. And I think of this difference because on 9-11, there's a former Boston College athlete named Wells Crowther who in that set of circumstances, there's no time to contemplate or reflect. A freaking airplane flew into the building where he worked 
There's no time to reflect. There's no good or bad, good versus evil. Let me consider, let me contemplate, let me reflect. There's none of that. And whereas I would give people, and I know people who the worst things they've done in their lives have come either under the maximum pressure, financially or emotionally or psychologically or otherwise, or they just caved in the heat of the moment. I don't think that's as reflective of whether you're good or bad. It was a horrible spur-of-the-moment circumstance you couldn't have possibly foreseen, and the worst of you might have come out. I give that person the benefit of the doubt. Why? What's more reflective of who you are? Time, space, contemplate, reflect, educate yourself. What's right? What's wrong? How you make those decisions truly defines who you are. I don't care your walk of life. Look in the mirror, ask yourself how you've handled those, and you don't deserve the benefit of the doubt if you've chosen bad over good. Heat of the moment, airplane flew into your building, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. And yet you know what Wells Crowther did without the ability to reflect, without any time or space? His building is on fire. He was a Boston College lacrosse player in the late 1990s. Remember, September 11th, the Twin Towers happened in 2001. So he's a recent graduate of Boston College, a former lacrosse player for the Eagles. He was only 24 years old. He was an economics major at Boston College. At 16 years old, he had joined his dad as a volunteer firefighter born in New York City. His family lived in Nyack, which is like a New York City suburb. So he had this firefighter thing kind of in his genes because of his dad. And when he was really young, his dad used to travel around with a blue bandana and he gave Wells his own bandana, and it happened to be red. And he carried this as a kid, and even when he was a high school athlete, he would actually wear the red bandana under, like, a football helmet or under his lacrosse helmet. So it was always a part of him. He would carry it in his pocket when he was just going around as a regular guy, and he would wear it as part of his game day uniform as a lacrosse player in high school and in college. Well, 18 years later... There are documentaries, including one called Man in Red Bandana. And these documentaries and recollections are in honor of Wells Crowther, former Boston College athlete. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow actually is the narrator of the documentary that came out two years ago. Again, check it out, Man in Red Bandana. Why was that a documentary? Why was that the title honoring Wells Crowther? Well, as this guy in the heat of the moment, no time to reflect, do you know what his first instinct was? As he is working for an equities company, he's an equities trader, econ major at BC, gets a job with a company that had an office on the 104th floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. Do you know what the first or, or one of the planes hit? The South Tower. He's on the 104th floor. This is his job. This is where he goes to work every day in New York City. The plane hit lower floors. So if you were on the 77th through the 85th floor, you got hit directly. There's dead bodies all over the place. What was Wells Crowther, Boston College athlete's first instinct when the airplane hit the tower? And again, I'd give you the benefit of the doubt. If you screamed bloody murder, forgot who you were, forgot who your name, what your name was, ran down the floor, you might have even bumped me out of the way while running for your life. And I don't even think I'd be mad. It's freaking chaos. There's truly, literally 
dead bodies all over the place for a certain set of floors, smoke everywhere, you can't see, you're not sure what's happening. All you know is that stuff has exploded. You don't know anything about Al-Qaeda or any of that in the heat of the moment. You're not sure. You just know there's a gaping hole in the side of one of the tallest buildings in the world. And you work there. And it's below where he worked. What does he do? Within minutes of the plane hitting, I, I swear this is part of the story, he called his mom. Would you have called your mom? I, I love my mom. She's one of my favorite people in the history of the world. I'm not sure I would have thought to call my mom as my building was on fire. And as I'm on the 104th floor and people below me are dead, and I figure I better get out, holes in the side of a high rise, not a great idea. He called his mom, and, and there's, I believe, still audio of this. He just said, Mom, this is Wells. I wanted you to know I'm okay. So he knew she would see the TV footage. A plane went into the side of the building where he works every day. He knew his mom would worry. His first instinct was to call his mom, and he did. Mom, this is Wells. I wanted you to know I'm okay. That was it. Hung up. What does he do next? Again, if your next instinct was to just get the bejesus out of the building, I don't think that makes you a bad guy. I think it actually makes you sane. What did he do? He went to the part of the building where he knew the plane, or he knew something at that point had hit. We don't know exactly what he knew. But as the stories were told in the days and weeks after among the survivors, they kept seeing a person they did not know whose faces some of them remembered, but they didn't know a name. They didn't, it's a lot, of, not a lot of floors. You don't know everybody who works on 100-plus floors in your high-rise building in New York City. So some of the survivors remembered his face, but many of the survivors remembered his red bandana. And the reason they remembered it was because, like those who are paid to go toward the problem, right? I'm not saying we shouldn't give all the praise in the world and all of the uh, medical support, as many of them have died or suffered severe illnesses after they were first responders, they were firefighters, they were law enforcement. I'm not saying we should reduce our praise for them at all or our support for them at all. It was in their job description, though, to go toward the problem, many of them. Others just volunteered and did it instinctively. More, pra more praise, more power to you. None of these things applied to Wells Crowther. So he gets down to the 78th floor, I think it was, sees badly burned bodies, sees dead people left and right. And what does he start doing as the young, athletic, 24-year-old, former Boston College lacrosse player? He starts taking human beings that can't move. Some of them had, like, punctured lungs and broken bones. and I mean, you're, de you're debilitated. You're not running anywhere. You're not walking anywhere. One by one, he is throwing people, I guess, gently over his shoulder, running them down to a floor where there looked to be some emergency personnel, leaving them there, and then doing what? Running back upstairs. Who runs back upstairs where people are dead, where you can barely see where you're going, where there's smoke everywhere, and you just came from there, so you know how many dead bodies are there. The survivors at that chunk of the building were the exception to the rule. Time after time, the guy had a chance to go down the stairs and leave the building. Others did survive that building, you all know. 3,000 died, many more in the aftermath of that from medical complications related to 9-11. This is a guy where so many people remembered the red bandana that they pieced together much later 
what he had done, how many times he had gone back, how many times he had risked his life to try to help complete strangers. Many of those folks told their stories much later. He was using the bandana that his dad had given him, that he used all those years as an athlete. He was using it to cover his mouth so that he was not debilitated by the smoke. And they remembered seeing the red bandana up and down the stairs, body after body. He truly saved. They believe in the final count. He saved 18 lives that day. So it was my saddest, most weird, most awkward. And, and I chalk those feelings and emotions up to like, you know, a tiny pebble compared to the boulders that these people and their families had to deal with. I'm not talking about sympathy for me or anybody who had to react to this horrible day in American history as an American. I'm talking about what was the saddest day for me in my career and as an American being the day that his family ended up saying that was Wells Crowther. Like, that is not only his legacy, as sad as they are that he was gone at the age of 24, 18 years ago today. As horrible as that would be to lose a son, and his dad actually died earlier this year, so now his mom is, is alone in a sense because her boy is gone and now her mate, her life mate is gone. They said that everything he had done in his life to that point re reflected that kind of honor and integrity and sacrifice and unselfishness. And, of course, they'd rather have him with them. But the fact that this story will be told forever, including in documentary form, Man in Red Bandana, they said if he had to go, they're at least happy that he's going to be remembered this way. That was what happened 18 years ago today. That is the unforgettable story of Boston College athlete Wells Crowther. We're back after this. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is the David Glenn Show. Bob Stoops helped Steve Spurrier win the national title with the Florida Gators back in 1996. He got a opportunity as a head coach won the national title in 2000 while leading the Oklahoma Sooners now retired he remember hand-picked Lincoln Riley as his offensive coordinator out of ECU and then recommended Lincoln as his successor with the Sooners he has a new memoir out with ESPN's Gene Wojciechowski the legendary former head coach of the Sooners we'll talk life sports football and his memoirs Bob Stoops joins us live next on the David Glenn show Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Boo You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show.